Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Welcome back, church. We're wrapping up a sermon series that we took a pause of last week for Mother's Day. In our last session on this series called The Way, we ended by saying we are called to fight the good fight and to press on and to keep the way. And if you're listening via our podcast, we pray that this message would help you take your next step closer to Jesus together. So today, we'll see just how important it is that we have Jesus, because He is the way. We are more than just to be fans of Jesus, that we're to be all in. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever seen some Christians, and they're just great fans of Jesus? It's like, I'm a fan of the 49ers, or I'm a fan of the Raiders, I'm a fan. We know that can't be true, Pastor. You're not a fan of the Raiders. Couldn't even get it out. But if you have a sports team, it's not uncommon to to get their jersey and put it on. To get their hat, to get their memorabilia. And the truth is, how many people are just fans of Jesus? We put on the shirt with the big cross on it. We put on the jewelry, and we're a fan of Jesus. But are you all the way in? See, Jesus wants us all the way in. When you're all the way in, you're not just a fan on Sunday morning. You're all the way in Monday through Sunday. I'm all in. Every area of my life, I'm all in. Our Savior's life is not something to keep secret or to withhold it from other people, especially people that we love and we know. But Jesus' life is something to be shared. It's to be illuminated, and, and, and it's to be modeled afterwards in our life, day in and day out. So let me ask you a question. Who here today ever had to keep a secret oh i just got i just went there anybody got a secret oh you just blew it because he just said you have a secret (laughs) see the thing about secrets it's really hard not to tell when it's really good news when it's so exciting and you know if it's a boy or a girl and you know whether somebody's engaged and, you, and you're not allowed to tell anybody. I mean, you got all this stuff and you're like, I, I can't say nothing. But I know. It's hard to keep a secret. Just ask my family. Don't tell dad. Why? He'll tell everybody. And, and maybe... You've had to keep a secret. And in our passage today, you'll be able to relate to the disciples because Jesus told these three disciples they had to keep a secret. 
And it's the biggest secret of them all. And matter of fact, biblical commentators have coined this secret the Messianic secret. It actually has a name. Messianic secret. Usually, this Messianic secret is connected to the miraculous healings. And after this incredible healing, Jesus would say, hey, hey, don't say anything about me. You know, just, just talk about Jehovah. Just talk about, don't say me. What? It, it ain't ready yet. It's still in the oven. It ain't ready. And then all of a sudden, there's this passage where we find these three disciples. And they, they encounter a side of Jesus the world had never seen yet. And Jesus says, don't tell anybody. It's a secret. What an intense secret to have to hold on to. And as we'll see today, Jesus, He really is the beloved Son of God. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, You know, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. And so, Here's all this stuff, and it's all starting to come to make sense to the disciples. And so let's just dive right into Matthew chapter 17, and we see this passage where these three disciples get to experience something that the other disciples never got to experience, and then they're told, shh, it's a secret. So here it is, verse 1, after six days Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah. These are guys from the Old Testament. I mean, we're talking hundreds and thousands of years ago. And how is it that they can recognize them? as who they were. Verse 4. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here if you wish. I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Have you ever been that person where you just open mouth and insert foot? And if there's room, you put the other foot in there too? Yeah, me too. Peter! You should have just stayed quiet. But he has to just go, Hey, I think I know something here. You know, it's interesting because the Lord gives him the new name of Peter, which means rock, and it reminds me of Rocky, kind of like a bubble. Hey, I think I know what I'm talking about here. (laughs) You know, you just kind of look at him like, Man, seriously, Peter. While he was still speaking, now here's the emphasis on him being naive. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Doesn't this remind you of of a passage as in Matthew chapter 3 where all of a sudden 
The, the, Jesus is baptized by his cousin, John the baptizer, and when he comes up out of the water, a, the, the, the image, the Holy Spirit as a dove comes and lands upon him, and all of a sudden you hear this voice from the heavens, from the cloud, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Isn't that amazing? Verse 6, when the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. I would have been the same way. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. No Moses, no Elijah, just Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, hmm, come to that in a second. Jesus instructed them, Shh, don't tell anyone what you have seen. Catch this part. Until, until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Wow. As you can see in this passage, Jesus reveals the true identity to the three disciples right here. James and John and Peter. And the Father speaks from heaven. And they're forbidden from talking about what they've experienced right there with Jesus. Until. So there's a lot going in this passage. So what I want to do is I'm going to take a chunk of that passage and then another chunk and another chunk. So we can kind of see the progression going on here. So let's look at verses 1 through 4 again. After six days, Jesus took up with him James, Peter, and John, the brother of James, and they led him up a high mountain by themselves. There, was, there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then they appeared before them, Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said, let me insert my foot into my mouth. And if you wish, I will put up three shelters, right? Now, the word transfigure here, it literally means a complete change of form or appearance into a more beautiful spiritual state. That's what it means when you, when you convert it from the Greek. And Jesus was transfigured before Peter and James and John. And, and he was transformed in his human body into his glorious one. It would be like the superheroes being, being all of a sudden kind of like Superman coming out of the, the booth. And the real person that he is, the Clark Kent glasses come off, the jacket comes off, and, and the big ass is there. And all of a sudden, it's like he took off this human part and revealed his divine part. And his face, his face, it shone like the sun. It was so bright. That it lit up. What do we say when somebody comes in full of joy into a room? They just light up the room. That's what Jesus literally was doing. And the men saw this. And they also realized that God had said, this is my son, my beloved son. He wasn't talking about Moses or Elijah because they were gone when they got up off the ground. One commentator puts it this way when you think about the transfiguration the theological connotation is that jesus's eternal divine nature broke through his human nature 
on that mount. Isn't that beautiful? In this moment, Jesus revealed His divine nature to His disciples. His face shone like the sun and His clothes became as white as the light. Man, I imagine any woman in white walking down the aisle wants that material for their dress. These specific disciples, think about all the miraculous healings, all the signs, all the wonders, all the sermons, and everything else they had experienced with Jesus. They had never seen anything like this from Jesus before. This was unique. This was a first time ever. And the other guys, they didn't get to be a part of it. And they're told, shh. Oh, can I give a hint? I just want to share something. The fabric of Jesus' humanity was pulled back and His true divine spiritual nature, His holy nature, was revealed for a second. You know, it's also worth noting that the Gospel writer, Matthew, says this happened on a mountain. And that Jesus' face glowed. Are, are you beginning to connect things to the Old Testament? All of this is reminiscence of what happened to Moses when he went up Mount Sinai and there he makes out the Ten Commandments on these stones. And when he came out, his face so shined that they said, you got to cover him. We're afraid of his presence. You see, what they began, and I imagine it would have been years later that the men of God, that the disciples, even Paul, would have finally put together that Jesus was being foreshadowed by a, a deliverer named Moses. That Moses was a type of Christ because he delivered God's people from slavery into the promised land. And Jesus would be the ultimate one who would deliver God's people not from slavery in a kinetic form, but slavery from the power of, of sin. That will allow us to not to go into just a promised land, but into the eternal place called heaven with God as the great deliverer. Do you see what's happening here? And they were told, shh, be quiet. It's a secret. You can't say anything yet. It's the one thing to be revealed as divine, which Jesus was. It's another thing to be revealed as the beloved Son of God, which Jesus happened to be also. So, so let's go to another chunk of passage. Now we'll start at verse 5 through 8. While he was still speaking, this was Jesus was speaking. A bright cloud covered them. I mean, he would, would have been Peter. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. And with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. 
But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they had looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. Amazingly, this isn't the first time that that booming voice from heaven came. It came also, as I said earlier, from Matthew chapter 3, where Jesus is baptized by his cousin, John the Baptizer. And there, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. What's the difference between Matthew 3 and Matthew 17? It's just three words. Listen to him. Wow. It's a big deal. It's not enough to know the teachings of Jesus. It's not enough to know the the history of a man who was Jewish. It's imperative that we adhere to the teachings of Christ that we model our lives after Him, that we love others as He loved and follow in His footsteps. In John 14, 21, it says, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who, say it with me, loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, And I too will love them and show myself to them. What? I mean, this passage is interesting in light of when you look at Matthew chapter 17, you hear this whole thing, all of a sudden you read this scripture, and this goes, whoa! If I obey what Jesus taught, I show that I love him. And if I show that I love him, the Father will accept me, and Jesus will reveal him. Wow! You catching this? Your love and obedience causes a relationship, a dynamic with God that you would have never thought about until you put it together that it's about relationship. It's not about conditions. There's conditions in this world. You break the conditions, you go to jail. You don't break the conditions, we allow you to give us taxes. How do you like those conditions? This one says, do you love me? Obey my teachings, why? Because these teachings are great for you. I don't need them. God says I'm already perfect. But these will protect you. They will guide you. They will show you destiny. They will help you leave a legacy. Embrace that. And as you do, the Father will love you and accept you. And I will reveal more of myself to you, Jesus says. Wow. Jesus' true identity, you know, it's not a secret anymore. Jesus has revealed himself as the Messiah. And he has risen from the dead. So the shh, don't say anything, it's out of the bag. And guys like me who can't keep secrets, I'm pumped up. 
I get to share Jesus. Do you know you get to share Jesus with anybody and everyone? Nothing's holding you back except this one over here who's the liar of all liars, the father of lies. He will try to get you to keep your mouth shut. When you've got the best news there is in town, there's a cell like no other cell. What do you do? Huh? I'll tell you what you do. You go, oh, girl, you got to come down here. Bring your pocketbook and empty out that suburban. We're going to load it up. Why? Because you got good news of a great sale. And you got the yard. Oh, I found that thing you were looking for. I'm, sta- I'm holding it right now. There's two other people who want to buy it. I'm not going to let them. Do you want it? Do you want it? Do you want it? What are you doing? You're sharing good news. How come we don't share the good news of Jesus? More and more than we've ever had before. I believe because the enemy of our soul lies to us and says, you're going to be outcasted for that. You know, there's been times, have you ever had this, where you just knew God was all over you? And all of a sudden, you just couldn't help me. You go, you know, Bruce, I'm sorry, but would you mind if I got to pray with you? Something's just heavy in my heart. Like, I just want to, would that be all right? What do you think, Bruce? Sure. So, Bruce, let me grab your hand. And, Father, I just pray for Bruce right now. I pray for peace. I pray you help him with his sleep. And, Father, I pray for his family that he loves so dearly that he worries about. And God says, cast all those cares upon me. And I'm going to bless them. And they're going to find Christ in a way far greater than you would have ever thought. Be at peace with this in Jesus' name. Was that okay? Whoa, what just happened? You see, we get scared. But when you step out and you say, I want to just pray for somebody, or I just want to share Christ with somebody, I just want to say, hey, I'm going to pray for you today. Why? Because I know God has something great for you. You know, before you know it, we, we all think everybody's going to say you're weird, but you know what happens? Somebody goes, how did you know that? How did you know how to do I didn't. The Holy Spirit so loves you that he spoke to pray, that I could pray for you. It was him. And he says, you could pray the same way. He says, you can do greater things than I ever did. Did you know Jesus said that? Here's the part I want us to catch. Sometimes we can get kind of distracted by things they're called circumstances in life and the heavy burdens of life and the concerns for our family our friends our kids and we're so overwhelmed by it all sometimes we just break out in tears and sometimes we get so afraid we get so scared if we're going to be honest that we don't know what to do What did these three men do when they were afraid at the reality of the power of who God was? They went prostrate on the ground. But what did Jesus do? 
he goes up and he touches them. He says, get up, guys. There's nothing to be afraid of. Hey, church. Hey, believer. The ones who've been believers in Jesus since you were like in the nursery. Jesus says, don't be afraid. It's okay. It's going to be okay. Because he's the beloved son of God. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. But I do wonder how many people are afraid. Actually scared. I know it sounds weird. Some folks are actually scared of Jesus. Maybe some folks are fearful of the implications that come to play if Jesus really is who He claims to be. I mean, if that's you, I want you to have this hope that if you receive the words Jesus said, don't be afraid, you'll begin to experience how gentle and humble He is. You begin to experience His grace and His mercy. I don't want to have to experience His discipline. I'm sure I'm not the only one in this room who has. But He only disciplines me because He loves me. He doesn't hate me. He doesn't hate you. He is the way. He is the truth and the life. He's the beloved Son of God given for us for salvation. Now let's look at John chapter 14, verse 6. I keep quoting this, so I thought maybe it would be good for us all to quote it together. Will you guys say it with me? Ready, begin. He is and keeps them. And let's keep going. And he we love by my Amen. For Christians, as we read that and as we're reminded that Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father. For Christians, these these texts, these statements mean that Jesus is the only means for salvation. Yet, this reality of Christ, the reality that... Here he is in his glorified state in the reality that he really is the Son of God and that he's, and that he's also one of the, the, the three of the Trinity of the Godhead. And this truth, Jesus forbade, told them, no, it's a secret until. So let's look at verse 9. Again, Matthew chapter 7, verse 9. As they were coming down the mountain... Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. And as we can see in this verse, Jesus instructs them and and says, don't say anything until, until I've been raised from the dead. So guess what? We're on this side of the resurrection. Until is over. He was exactly who he claimed to be, and he did exactly what he claimed he would be. You know, sometimes people get confused, and and they say, well, I don't know about Jesus. You know, there's got to be more than one way. I mean, I go to, you know, uh, 
Baskin Robbins, you know, 31 flavors. It's all ice cream. And I go, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're, you're going to take theology into ice cream? But here's the truth, Jesus. He's only one of three things. He's either Jesus, the liar. He lied about who he was, and he wasn't. The thing is, is he said he would die and that he would rise from the dead. Guess what? Jesus died and rose from the dead. Even Josephus, the Jewish historian, acknowledged that. There was over 500 adult males. We don't even know how many women and children were there that saw him eat. He wasn't a ghost. Jesus is not a liar. He actually is who he said he was. Well, if he's not a liar, well, then maybe he's a lunatic. He just thought he was God, like all these other crazy people that we know about in modern day times who say they're Jesus the Christ. Do you really think an insane, crazy person could perform miracles, raise the dead, and raise himself from the dead? Does that even make logical sense? You have to be stupid on purpose to go with that idea. So then if he's not a liar, and if he's not a lunatic, well then he has to be the third one. Jesus is Lord. He said he would die as the Lamb of God. He said that in three days he would rise, and he did. And he said he's coming soon. And in the scope of eternity, we're still in the realm of soon. And I can't wait for it. May we be about our Father's business until then. So as we, as we close here, as we consider this, this amazing passage, there are a few questions that I want us to consider. Do we see Jesus for who He really is? How do you really see Jesus? Is he just some historical figure? Is he just some made-up fantasy? How do you really see Jesus? Are you being honest with yourself? Do you, have you ever really answered that question? Or it's just what we do as a family? Grandma and great-grandma and grandpa and everybody, they were part of the Christian faith, so we're part of the Christian faith. Let me ask another question. Do we really or do you really honor Jesus as Savior? Oh no, I think He's the Savior. I think that's great. Does your life honor that? Do you honor Him the way you live? Do you really honor that? Or are you just trying to make everybody around you make it look good? They all think I'm a Christian, but I'm really kind of sneaky over here. Do you really? Because nobody knows that answer but you. Only you. And God. And God, He's not here to condemn. He's here to convict. That's different. Here's another question. Has Jesus' will become your will? Has Jesus' ways become your ways? 
His will, His way. Is His will the only will you want to have? Are His ways the only ways? His timing the only timing you want? Here's a question. Do we trust that Jesus is the only way? The truth, the life? I imagine for some it could be fearful to consider what it might mean in our lives to answer these questions honestly. But for better or for worse, you owe it to yourself to be honest to you. So here's a question. If, if Jesus is not the Messiah, if He's not the Christ, by the way, you know, the word Messiah and Christ, they're the same word. Christ actually is from the Greek and Messiah is from the Hebrew language, but it both means the anointed one. Okay? The chosen one. The anointed Savior of His people is what His name, Christ Jesus, means. So, do I see Him... Ask yourself, do I see Jesus as Lord over my entire life or do I view Jesus more like a helpful mentor who gives me good advice at times? A couple more questions. Do I trust that He is the only way or if I'm honest with myself, do I think that there are other ways to heaven as well? Sometimes we have this thought, well, he knows my heart. Well, he knows all of our hearts. And he still laid out, you need to confess and believe that Jesus is Lord. Have you confessed your sins to the Lord? How about lately? And here's a good question also to ask. Do I love Jesus and follow His teachings? Or do I cherry-pick the things I want to follow and leave the rest behind? I mean, I love you, God, but that tithing thing, don't go there. I mean, I love you, God, but to have to read every single day... I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling it. Do I cherry pick? There's so many paths to follow in life. So many roads to choose from. But literally, the Word of God tells us there's only one that leads to eternal life. And that is through Jesus Christ. It's a path that leads back to the Father and to His heaven. It's a path where the meek and the brokenhearted, the gentle, the persecuted, the peacemaker, and others are welcome. It's a path where we're invited to participate, to, the, to light the way for others and to keep the way with integrity and with righteousness. It's not an easy path. And it's going to require me and you to lay down our flesh but in the end, it's worth it. And there's no greater way to live life. Well, Lord, I come before You and I just ask that You would fall on us and You would guide us right now as we pray. 
Is there anyone here who would say, you know what? If I'm honest, man, those questions just kind of got to me. It it, kind of woke me up to see and to recognize that I've been off. I didn't mean to be, but I'm off. I just want to make it right with the Lord again. I want to confess. I, I want to claim Jesus Christ as Lord of my life. And if that's you, would you look up at me or raise your hand? And I just want to pray. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Yes. 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 Hey, church, let's just pray this all together. Say, Dear Jesus, be the leader of my life, be the forgiver of my sins. I claim you. As king, you rose from the dead for me. Father, I I pray for each and every person who's claiming Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior right now. For those who feel this conviction, not condemnation, that they would also feel your grace and your mercy. That they would feel your love and your favor. Lord, I come against the enemy of our souls who wants to to steal, kill, and destroy. Who's trying to condemn people even right now in this prayer. May your love overwhelm people. Oh God, you're the way maker. You make a way when there is no way. So Father, I pray blessing on your people. I pray covering be upon them. I pray blessing in relationships. I pray blessing in their finances. I pray blessings in their place of of occupation and, and business. I pray favor with family and spouses. And Lord, whatever is ailing their body, that you would heal them. And all this would be a testimony for Jesus and His kingdom. Bless your people. Set the captive free. And Lord, if there's anything that's holding us back because we've been offended, because we have this unforgiveness in our life, Lord, I I sense there's a couple people who they just know they need to forgive somebody. And forgiveness says three things. It says, number one, I forgive you. I will never throw this back in your face again. And number two, I'm not going to go tell other people about it. It's over. And number three, I'm not going to let my mind meditate on this ever again. When it comes back, I give it to Jesus immediately. So Lord, whoever that might be, they know they need to let go and forgive, they would make those three promises to you now, Lord, and set them free. In Jesus' holy name, and we all say, Amen. Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? 
Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.